Isn't it so great to be in a country where we can celebrate our freedom? I hope that this 4th of July, you're able to celebrate with friends and family the freedom that our forefathers fought for. So good. Today I'm speaking on the topic, declare independence. 243 years ago, our forefathers stood in a hallowed hall and they signed the Declaration of Independence because they believed in freedom. They were willing to defy the British crown because they felt freedom was worth fighting for. They were declaring freedom from religious oppression, freedom from their voices being silenced, freedom from tyrannical rule. But as the ink dried upon the paper, they knew that they were signing their death warrant because what they had just done was a seditious and criminal act and they faced the penalty of death. But they understood that sometimes fighting for freedom means risking your life. Patrick Henry, one of our forefathers said this, give me liberty or give me death. Because our forefathers understood that sometimes what's worth living for is worth dying for. Today, the church, we are at a crossroads. Will we accept religious oppression? Will we accept the silencing of our voices? Will we accept the pressure from the culture? I want to invite every believer today to be willing to say a resounding no. Be willing, as our forefathers did so many years ago, be willing to declare independence. We must declare independence from religious oppression, from culture's view on faith and morality, and from the silencing of our voices. But I don't want us to despair because today there's still hope. Because on the side of the Supreme Court building are the Ten Commandments. On our currency are the words, in God we trust. And the Declaration of Independence still says and acknowledges God as creator. There's hope for us today. We must take what is etched in stone and on metal and written on paper and etch it on our hearts. We must decide today if we're willing to declare independence. President Ronald Reagan, our 40th president, cautioned us. This is what he said. If we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. How do we, as people of faith, prevent our nation from going under? That's the question I want to leave with you today. What must we do as people of faith to ensure our nation does not go under? I want to suggest to us that we need to reiterate the words from our from our pledge that says we are one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. For you see, when we are a nation under God, there's liberty and justice for all. With that in mind, I wanna invite you to, to Psalm 33. We're gonna look at verses 12 through 15. If you have your Westover app, feel free to open that up. Let's take a look at what the word of God has to say to us. Verse 12 says this, 
Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. I think some of us as believers, we feel like God is not paying attention to the affairs of man, but the word of God tells us that he sees what's happening. And the good news is, is that it doesn't matter who's in office, the king is still sitting on the throne. He still sits. He still rules. He still reigns. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. In order for us to be a nation that is blessed, a nation that is under God, we must do what the Lord, the Lord tells us to do. We must be obedient. I love how this verse tells us that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It's easy for us to call God as Savior, but what does it mean for him to be Lord of our life? If he is Lord of our life, then he has the right to veto what we do and to control what we say and to have dominion over our attitudes and our actions. Lordship means that he's leading and God is wanting to lead us today. We must be willing to be a nation under God, be under his hand of protection and provision and providence. But anytime a nation Anytime a people removes themselves from the mighty hand of God, we're right on the edge of going under. God wants us to return under his mighty hand. Here are two ways to declare independence today and ensure our nation is blessed. Number one, take a knee. Second Chronicles 7:14 says this: "If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn." from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. What I love what this verse does is it makes an if-then statement, it's a conditional statement. It says that if we're willing to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then God will do things for us. Some of us, we wonder why God isn't listening. Could it be that we are not people of prayer who are willing to take a knee and pray like this. God's inviting us to take a knee. Ian Bounds, he was a author. He wrote a lot about prayer. This is what he said. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the mighty hand of God. If you wanna see the mighty hand of God moving in your family, moving in your business, moving in your future, be willing to be a person of prayer. That's what moves the hand of God. So today, how do we take a knee? What must we do? I wanna share with you three prayer points to focus on as you take a knee before the Lord. The first is to pray as a family. I just wanna encourage parents. I wanna encourage you to be people of prayer. I wanna encourage you to pray on your knees and Engineer moments for your kids to catch you praying on your knees before the Lord. Because faith is both taught and caught. Some of us, we need to put social media down or YouTube down or Netflix down and be willing to get on our knees. And not only pray, but pray the prayer of 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. We must be willing to say, God, 
I'm willing to humble myself. I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to seek your face and I'm willing to repent. I'm willing to repent and turn away. I've discovered that personal repentance produces public renewal. When we're willing to repent before God, he can bring seasons of refreshing in our life. Many of us, we pray God change our nation, but what we should be praying is God change us. Change me, start with me. I wanna speak briefly to our young adults. I know that for many of you, your friends are your family, and that is wonderful. But can I encourage you that as you go out to eat with your friends that you'd be people of prayer? That when you're in the classroom and your friend tells you that they're feeling sick that you'd be willing to pause in that moment and pray for them in front of your classmates? That when you're on the job and you don't know what to do, you'd be willing to tell your coworkers, let me pray about it? Prayer is the slender, mo- slender nerve that moves the hand of God. And if you're need, needing wisdom and discernment and guidance, young adults, be a people of prayer. You are our future. And we need you to help us lead. But in order to lead, we must follow. Follow Jesus and follow the instruction of God's word and be people of prayer. God is marking this next generation. He wants to mark us for a purpose, but we must be willing to pray as a family. The second prayer point to focus on is to pray for our country. Personal prayers have national impact. There's a connection between the prayer of God's people and the healing of our country. It says says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. God wants to heal the land. He wants to heal our nation. But we must be willing to pray for our country. We must be willing to seek God. We must be willing to pursue him. As I was preparing for this message, I decided to look at our founding fathers. And yes, they set up a system of government that allowed people of all kinds of faiths to worship freely. But they were distinctly people who loved Jesus. And at the very first meeting of the Continental Congress, two years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence, our forefathers, the first thing they did at that very first meeting is they went and they sought the face of God. And they prayed, and they didn't pray a simple small prayer that said, God, we're about to break the law, bless us, protect us, amen. They were willing to intercede. And we will, when we look at the description of that moment, it appears to me that they prayed for at least an hour, seeking God's face, saying, God, what do you have for our colonies? What do you have for our future? And out of that culture of prayer came the Declaration of Independence. But it didn't stop there because our Continental Congress went on to officially proclaim 15 days of national prayer. They called everyone together to pray to days of humiliation and prayer and fasting. I wonder if as they were penning that proclamation, 
if they weren't looking at 2 Chronicles 7, 14, because it talks about humility. And they did this throughout the revolution. Throughout the Revolutionary War, they issued, on average, at least two prayer proclamations every year throughout the Revolutionary War. I want to suggest to you that the prayer of God's people provided freedom for a nation. And if we want to see a revolution happen in our nation, not against the government, but among people of faith and a revival among people of faith, we must be willing to proclaim that we will be a people who are willing to take a knee before the Lord. Our national hurts are healed when when people of God pray. The third prayer point to focus on is to pray for our leaders and our pastors. 1 Timothy 2 One through three says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for all of them. Pray this way for kings, which refers to our governmental officials, and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Verse three sums it all up. It says this, this is good and pleases God our Savior. If you want God to to bless you, and if you want to please him, be willing to be a person of prayer when it comes to our governmental officials. Our governmental officials, they need prayer. Our pastors, they need prayer. Anyone in authority needs your prayer. Even that boss that frustrates you, they need your prayer probably more than anyone else. Often what happens, though, is as people, we find it very easy to grumble and complain. But God calls us to be different. Look what the passage says. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Intercession isn't just a small prayer. It's a continual prayer. It's an intense prayer. It's being willing to say, God, help them, empower them, guide their heart, protect their mind, allow them to hear your presence and your word, and give thanks for them. Now, I know for some of you, it tastes like bitterness in your mouth for you to pray for our governmental leaders. But I want to encourage you to do it because that's what the word of God commands. It's not an option. He wants us to be grateful, not grumble. It's real hard to, it's real hard to be grumbling when you're grateful. Try it. It'll change your heart. It'll change your mind. It'll change your spirit. God wants us to pray for our leaders and our pastors, they need and they crave our prayers. Which leads me to the second step to declare independence and ensure our nation is blessed, and that is to be willing to take a stand. Matthew 5, 14 says this, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. God intends for us to stand on hills and shine for him. God intends for us to allow our life to be a conduit of his presence. Imagine what would happen if people of faith took a stand and if they were willing to allow God to shine through their life. The word of God says this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. And I just think that God is inviting us to take a stand and shine for him because he wants to change and transform the dark places in our culture. And the only way it happens is if people of faith are willing to take a stand and say, I'm willing to shine. I love this quote by Leonard Ravenhill. He says this, if you kneel before God, you will stand before men. Too many of us, though, as people of faith, what we have done is we have stood against God and we have knelt before culture. 
God wants us to get it the other way around where we're willing to take a knee before God and stand up against the culture. But what we have to decide is that God and his opinion is more important than the world's opinion of us. Once you get to that point, it doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what social media dictates. You are unmovable, you are unshakable, you can stand for the Lord. One way to take a stand is to stand up and vote. You know that there are some countries in the world that don't have the privilege of voting their leaders in or voting their leaders out. We happen to live in a country where we can vote. We can voice our values at the ballot box. I wanna encourage you as people of faith to vote your values. Before you vote, I wanna encourage you to go to God and say, this vote, it belongs to you. Be willing to align your vote with your values, not with what culture says, not with what your neighbor says, not with what the news media says. Be willing to align your vote with your values. And if you are a registered voter, I wanna encourage you to vote. Here in Bear County, there are a little over a million registered voters. But at the very last mayoral election, only 10% of people voted the mayor in. And the gap between the one who won the office and the one who lost was 3,000 votes. So less than 5% of the registered voters in Bear County decided who sits in that seat. That doesn't even reflect the full population of Bear County. Something like 2.5% of the people in our county decided who sits in that seat. Your voice matters. Your vote matters. Vote your values. Be willing to stand up and vote. Don't voice your opinion on social media. Voice it at the ballot box. And can I encourage you? You can't complain if you don't participate. You can't complain if you don't participate. And even if you do participate, God doesn't want you to complain anyways. He wants you to be grateful. We must be willing to be different. We must be willing to be different. And can I also encourage you to not be politically correct, but to be spiritually correct? Politics do not have a place in this house and in the body of Christ because what politics does is it pulls us apart. It divides us. And the kingdom of God is intended to be unified and connected. Whenever the kingdom of God becomes more important than our personal politics, we will experience transformation in this house. That's what it takes. We must be willing to set aside our own personal politics and say, God, what do you think? Your kingdom is more important than my own personal politics. It's not about the donkey or the elephant, it's about the lion and the lamb. The lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb, the sacrificial lamb of God. And when the lion and the lamb become more important in people of faith than the donkey and the elephant, we'll see God move and transform our lives and our nation. The second way to take a stand is to stand up and speak. 
Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says this, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Justice is important to God. We must be willing to stand up and speak for those who don't have a voice. Edmund Burke said this, the only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. When people of faith remove themselves from the discourse of what's happening, the injustice that's happening in the world, that's all it takes for evil to sweep in and take control. Martin Luther King put it this way. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Justice is more of a spiritual necessity than a political reality. Justice is what God expects. Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 31 encourages us to speak up for those who cannot speak, to speak up for the fair treatment of refugees and also the unborn, to speak up for those in poverty and those being trafficked and in slavery, speak up for orphans and those in foster care, those who are weak and disabled, helpless and hurting, depressed and anxious. We must stand up and be willing to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. That's what God demands of us. We must be willing to speak up for justice. But here's where I caution us. Humanitarianism can never be more important than holiness. Jesus did not say, be humanitarian as I am humanitarian. He said, be holy as I am holy. For you see, we can be humanitarian in our selfishness, but not be holy. But when we are holy, what will flow out of that holiness is a humanitarianism that allows the light of God to shine and transform the hearts and minds of people and community, our state and our nation. Holiness is more important than humanitarianism. The third way to take a stand is to stand up for godly values. I've discovered in my life that if you don't stand up for anything, you'll fall for everything. God's expecting us to take a stand. So I ask you, where do you stand? Where do you stand today? We live in a culture where the Bible is under assault, not by unbelievers, but by believers who have a Christian's view of the soul and an atheist view of the Bible where they believe in the power of the human spirit, but they undermine and minimize the power and of the authority of scripture. George Washington, our very first president, said something very profound, listen to this. He says, it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God in the Bible. And in our culture, they want to separate God from God's word, but the two of them go together. It's very palatable to think about God without God's word. But as people of faith, we must be willing to take a stand and say, God's word is true, I believe it. If God said it, that settles it. Rick Warren said recently, our culture has accepted two lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. He says that's not true. You don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. Here it is. 
God loves us unconditionally, but he doesn't always approve of what we do. The word of God tells us that Jesus was full of grace and truth, and the two of those came together. As people of faith, we must be courageous to speak the truth, but as Ephesians tells us, to speak the truth in love. Too many of us were willing to say all love and no truth. Anything goes. But too many of us, we also, on the other hand, speak truth with no love. And that just comes across harsh. But transformation happens when we follow the example of Jesus, who was a friend of sinners. And he went over to their house and he had conversation and he connected with them. But he never compromised his conviction. He was willing to love them enough to tell them the truth. And God is inviting us to do the same. Do you know as a pastor, as a pastor, my opinions don't matter. My opinions don't matter. Because at the end of time, when I stand before the Lord, he's not gonna ask me about my opinion. He's gonna ask me a couple of questions. One of which is, what did you do with my son Jesus? And number two, were you faithful to my word? My opinions don't matter. As a minister of the gospel, I have a responsibility to preach the word of God. I love you enough to tell you the truth because the truth will set you free. Here's some practical ways to take a stand. Be willing to state that biblical marriage between one man and one woman is God's only recipe for relationship success. That marriage, not cohabitation with physical intimacy, is God's prescription for blessing in a relationship. That adoption, not abortion, is the best option. That prejudice and bigotry and racism is a sin. That God wants us to be filled with the Spirit, not with alcohol. That we need to take our life to a next level. And when gossip shows up, to be willing to say, he's not here. Let's not talk about him. Let's talk about something else. And when there are degrading conversations that go to places where they don't need to go, we need to be willing to stand up and say, that conversation is below us. Let's take this conversation higher. God expects us as people of faith to stand up and speak truth. There comes a point in time when people of faith have to be loving and caring to people, but not care about the opinions of others. Because at the end of time, the only opinion that matters is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who sits on the throne and rules and reigns. And as I close, I wanna invite you to stand with me. Stand with me today. But I want you to take your stand. I want you to take your stand in your heart today. Decide today that you will be people who are willing to take a knee before God so that you can stand before men. Many of you who are here today wrestle with the challenges of culture. Well, I pray that today's message would give you some courage to be able to speak the truth in love. Jesus loved the world that he gave his only son. God loved us. God died for us. We need to do the same, be willing to declare independence. Let's go to the Lord and ask him to empower us. God, we come to you. We need you. 
Empower us to have courage to be willing to say the tough thing in love so that transformation can occur in the hearts and minds of people. God, there are people in this house who need your courage. They need your strength to go into their workplace, to go into their peer group, to go before their family members and speak the truth. God, I pray that you would empower them with courage to speak the truth, but to share it, carrying your love with them. May we be people who are willing to take a knee before you so that we can stand up in the culture. Our forefathers did it, and you're calling us once again as people of faith to do the same. Empower your people. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. It's been a delight to have, a, have you all here with us today. I pray that you have a great 4th of July. 